The Football Show on Off The Ball with Sky. Watch every live Premier League game this season on Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. I'm prepared to do anything I can well, to do play it then. again. Do it then. What about your start to the game? I was, it wasn't bad, was it? <laughs> Why should it be an honest answer be a mistake? How can a modern day manager not have a mobile phone? Why should he? <laughs> now, very happy to say, Mr. Dan McDonald of the Irish Independent is here in studio. You're very welcome. Thank you, Joe. I'm glad. It's good to feel welcome. <laughs> it's good to get a good welcome like that. Hey, Irish football, we're flying. We're dominating Europe. This they is, can't stop us. What can what can go wrong? You know, Air this, travel. This is what we should do. This is what we should do. We should we should declare everything fixed on the back of a couple of good football results. You know that that's that's the history of Irish football. It's like 1990s got to a couple of World Cups. Yeah. The game here is absolutely flying. Yeah. Facilities, stadiums, all these things we could do. Youth development, nah. Nah, like we'll, we'll just keep qualifying for tournaments. That's what Shamrock Rovers. All, all these teams are going to qualify for group stages every year now. We can just just go on with our lives. Look, we've reached it. We've reached this state of like this is the now the norm. Don't need to do anything. Like, dump those strategic plans, FEI people. We don't need it. Air travel and television coverage is all that can stop us. Now. <laughs> they haven't. Um, uh, there's been nothing put out yet about the FEI creating the atmosphere for this to happen. To be fair, so maybe they're. They're learning. They're learning from the mistakes of, yeah. of the past. You know that it's not, it's not, it's not because of them. You yeah. know, it's because of a, it's because of some pretty good young coaches and and there is there is some good stuff going on and there's some good people on it. And to take a to take sort of like you're sort of used to gallows humor like in this beat. So you know it's sort of you're conditioned to it. But uh, you do have these runs of like good results and uh, you see teams on a reasonable stage doing well. And to me, it more so drives home the argument of. God, imagine if we were doing things properly here. This could be great. Like this, this, this isn't completely out of reach in the way that European football is structured now. Like there are chances there um, for clubs, and like these are good nights when they do happen. Even if you can't always see them on TV. Good to so, hear about uh, though. It's good to hear about. Good to hear about it's, them. it's the type of thing you like to wake them. up to in the yeah. morning. Not necessarily see, obviously. No. You like to be told about. It. It's like it's like good news. Like someone tells you about it, uh, an old friend you know that got married and is happy. Yeah. You know, it's oh that's. Lovely, you know, I didn't have to go to the wedding. There's a certain no. romance in not seeing it and hearing about it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like uh, the, the, the 20 yard shot becomes the 40 yard shot over yes. time. Although there was like a, a what I'm told, and I don't know what the numbers are, but there was a record number of streams last night on the LOI TV yeah. for this game um, because it's probably the biggest game I can recall um, that has ended up. In in recent times, it would have been quite common probably in the 2000s, but in recent times, like the biggest game that for a while looked like it was going to be subject to a blackout, but it wasn't in the end. I'm sure people well aware at this stage, Shamrock Rovers 2, FC Shkupi 1. It was 2-0 until about the 93rd minute, so it was a relatively uh, calm finale despite the late Shkupi goal. So Rovers uh, guaranteed European group stages in some form or another. It will either be Conference League or Europa League, depending on how they get on against Ferran Varos in nine days' time. First leg in Budapest, we're talking about the Hungarian champions. We're talking about three million guaranteed, which is no small matter. The performances against Skopje, the scorelines both look comprehensive-ish. Certainly, the aggregate's very comprehensive. Yeah. What would you say about Rovers? Yeah, no, it's it's just it's eight days time. It's Thursday week, but it's it's yeah, like they've been. I think the the, the thing that struck me about the game last night was, and I would have mentioned this in my report. It wasn't stressful. Yeah. Like, if you think of say people maybe who dip in and out of this and they might be aware of like Dundalk beating Bate Borisov that time or maybe Shamrock Rovers in Belgrade that time or sort of isolated 
big wins, you sort of associate them with like diving tackles or, you know, heroic saves or there's always that element of living on the edge and you've beaten the odds. And it wasn't like that at all. Like It was more professional. It was more ruthless. It was more clinical. Um, like even last Thursday, the first leg, uh, Shamrock Rovers were tuning up at half time and in the ground you're thinking, geez, this is this looking pretty easy. Now, as it happened, they were pummeled for 25, 30 minutes of the second half. Could easily, that's where they had a little bit of luck in this tie, that the Alamanis made some very good saves. But Sheepy were, were set, put down to 10 men with five minutes to go and Shamrock Rovers scored to make it 3-1. It was just clinical. There was that small bit of, this is the type of thing that is done to Irish clubs elsewhere. And people talk about, oh, these are clinical, you know, these are seasoned operators. Like, you can't, you can't do that. And last night was a bit like that. They, they absorbed a bit of pressure for like five, ten minutes and then they managed the game pretty well. And this is, I've written about this and probably been wrong to some degree. I was worried about the age of this Shamrock Rovers side. They're, they're quite old. Like their average age um, is over 30 of their starting 11 a lot of these games. The goalkeeper, even take the goalkeeper out of it, it's like 29 territory. So it's not like a team of sort of 22, 23, 24 year olds, which maybe the Dundalk team in 2016 might have had a quite a few of them. The more guys have been around the block a bit more and while that can see, you can see the, the, the pros and the cons of that uh, and at times against Ludogorets in the Champions League you're thinking God, they maybe just need a little bit more spark or energy here or something in this scenario they just managed the game extremely well mm-hmm. in both legs and they sort of advanced clinically and professionally in such a way that it wasn't a typical Irish club story where it's like this is, a f- this is an amazing fairy tale or something. It's not, nah, it's more like a professional club doing sort of professional things, which is a, which is a progress in itself. We talk about the League of Ireland as a young man's league. A lot mm. of young players, the profile of most teams being uh, quite young and as you said, Rovers are more towards the late 20s, 30 variety mm. in many cases. Is that a concerted decision or just the way it's fallen? It's the way it's fallen. Um, there's a couple of factors for it. I think there's probably, and I've, I've written about this before, probably quite a few of the players who've gone to the UK in the last year. We've spoken about this exodus of League of Ireland players to the UK. I think a lot of them previously probably would have been like Shamrock Rovers would have gone after some of them. In fact, they were chasing a couple of them, like Dara Burns, who went from Pats to MK Dons. The goalkeeper, Ed McGinty, who went from Sligo to Oxford. He saved a load of penalties in a shootout last night, or one penalty last night in his debut. They're the type of players that they would have gone after and probably haven't been able to secure them. They've lost one or two players as well that, that went. Danny Mandrew, who's in that age bracket, he went to Lincoln in the, in the window just gone. So probably in recent years, they probably have... Um, they've hoovered up a small bit of the experienced talent in the league they picked up a couple of the players from Dundalk when things went a bit mad there uh, they brought Richie Towell home um, there is an element of they, they've probably hoovered up some of the best talent around there is no doubt about it but they do have young players on the fringes like Ida Amaku who's the scored, they last, scored night. last night who does this mad stat where he's actually scored more goals in Europe than he has in the League of Ireland Premier Division um, he, he seems to just come on in Europe off the bench and score big goals late on um, but yeah it's it's more like, there's no doubt that they have used winning back-to-back titles and being the foremost team in Ireland we're going to be in the Champions League next year lads to probably take a lot of the more experienced players in the league and, and take them um, but I do think their, their profile would be younger if they'd been able to get some players okay. who just happened to have gone away. I heard Gav Cooney say this morning on AM that Dundalk, for instance, had a bigger budget last year. They did, yeah. Now, that's but I mean that's because the Dundalk budget uh, last year. Yeah, last year, 2021. 
I mean, it really was like uh, sort of this this mad sort of I don't know, like a, like a Wolf of Wall Street sort of party where everyone loses themselves. Like they they got like the dock where they were um, post twenty twenty when they got to the, la- the last team that gets the, they got to the group stage, which is almost forgotten. Like people remember Michael O'Neill and Stephen Kenny, they forget that the dock behind closed doors played Arsenal twice, and it was a bit lost because we were all we were all lost at that time in our lives. And it was great; it was on TV, but there was probably like fifty matches a week on TV or something with with everything. So that was lost a bit. But they basically splurged all that money on players afterwards, like you know, and they they paid mad money. They were, paying sort of players a couple of players come in on sort of you know three and a half four grand a week and stuff and they weren't Ooh. very good and they were overseas players so Rovers it wasn't that Rovers now. yes it wasn't that Rovers had a small budget then to be fair it was just that the dog had such a madly inflated one fair enough. but um, Rovers what they did um, they came along and rather than necessarily um, they're offering good wages but they more so offered long term contracts like they, the dog were offering lads a year on huge money including some players maybe that they lost Rovers were like well, we're not going to offer you that yeah. in some case but we'll offer you a four year deal and you're 26 and you're looking to get a mortgage who are you going to sign for? Dundalk <laughs> Well hang on how much money are you talking about for the year? I think a couple a couple of sort of level headed characters they, their decision has been vindicated So what do we know about the Hungarian champions? What chance of Rovers here? Yeah it's, it is difficult to glean Really, um, you Dan, can, if you're going to come on here and you haven't watched Ferran Varish at least 40 times in the last year, you're at nothing. I mean, where, where, listen, I mean, it's true. It's true. Well, I could pretend I have. And, and would you even know? I would. The listeners yeah. may not. <laughs> yeah. Go on, what's the word? Um, so, Ferran Varish have ended up here because this, this, is, this champion's route is, is a new thing that's being created. Sure. And this is the thing that League of Ireland sides of like 10, 15 years ago and Stephen Kenny even spoke about this last week, they'd almost be a small bit envious that he had a very good Dundalk side, say, in 2015. They lost to Batty Borisov 2-1. I remember I was at both games, really close. And then you're done. Yeah. That is the end of your European year. Now you get a second chance. So Shamrock Rovers obviously were knocked out of the Champions League in the second round and they come into this. Ferenc Varos got further in the Champions League and lost to Carabag last night so they, they've arrived into the they've got the backdoor route a little bit later yeah. so that's the form we're going off they drew one all away with Carabag you think it's a good result bringing it back to Budapest and they were 3-0 down at home and they got a late consolation so I mean I'm going to conclude from that that they're not great at the back you know you're thinking we got that but a couple of years back you look for you try and look at sort of uh, how clubs have fared against teams from that league like Bohemians went and played Fairvar who wouldn't be as strong as Ferenc Faros but they pushed him very close over 120 minutes in a one-legged tie uh, went to penalties so I think you know they're at the beginning of their season Rovers are midway through which is no doubt is a big fitness advantage for Irish clubs mm. at this time of the year so I see no reason for them to, to be intimidated by it they are a stronger side but it's a little bit of a free hit because Rovers don't have the pressure of failure if they don't do this. Like they've sort of achieved their target for the year now, but they have the chance to strive for a small bit more here, get into a more glamorous competition yeah. where the money is is slightly better, although not dramatically better in such a way that if you lose, you're not going to be you're not going to be in tears on the pitch. Either way, Europa League or Conference League starts eighth of September, so we'll be seeing Rovers playing European matches right through into the autumn and winter and there'll be three big games in Dublin. I saw your colleague Paul O'Hare in the uh, mirror. He was saying Rovers have already inquired about the Aviva Stadium, Mm. which is understandable. For instance, if they make Europa League, they'll be sharing the stage with Manchester United, Arsenal, Roma, Lazio and on we go. And naturally enough, if you land a Premier League team, 
Aviva full steam ahead. Yeah, like the precedent has been shown that you can uh, you can play. Actually, Dundalk showed it. You can play one game in one venue and you know two games in another if if needs be. You know, it used to be a thing that you have to you pick one stadium and you stick with that all the way through. You know, I think you can be a bit more a la carte with it now. Um, but yeah, that is something that's that's on their on their radar. You know, they can they can look at that route, and it is true. Like they now have this. Like to me. Like the like it's gonna it's kind of a weird calendar year this year. Obviously, with Qatar at the end of it and the Champions League weeks, the European weeks, but we know them almost as Champions League weeks. They're going to be like very condensed into periods. To have an Irish involvement in that is is what you strive towards, and it'll it'll allow people to probably get to know some of the stories well, of the players in this team a bit more. I think the real big win here is that the country gets to know Rovers properly now. They'll yeah. be on television. There'll be a sense of journey about this. The European Games capture they do. attention this is, this like is no other. That's just the reality. It is. When you when I think of Dundalk Games and their pomp, I think of the European Games yeah. far more so. So if they were to get Manchester United at the Viva Stadium, is there any way we can prevent Manchester United fans <laughs> from going? Oh God, I feel like that's just that's the cultural experience. I don't want to experience. You know, I don't want that. I mean, you know? I look forward to your article condemning this. But you can't. Country. You can't condemn people. That's not the way to. That's not the way to go at it. I mean, that's but the, it, that's the League of Ireland way. No, yeah, that's what that's what we do. <laughs> that's what we do, Joe. We, we send we send angry mails to people about not covering stuff. Like that's that's clearly not the way to handle it. Yet it would be completely exasperating It'd as well. It'd be terrible. You know, it would be. It would be like. Now, like Roberts have enough that they could, um, they could definitely, they could, they could manage a certain amount of it, and they'd be able to like get the singing section and stuff, and get their people, in, you know, in the way they could organise. Like a lot of the, the the Man United fans, they, they obviously have to give something to. But we're speculating when a game that hasn't even happened. It fun may not though. happen, but it's fun. Yeah. Uh, how, Don't get me wrong. You'd still hear the Rovers fans in the corner. But <laughs> the United fans. Now you wouldn't. The United fans would just be. You just they'd just be on their phones, Joe. Yeah. You just hear this. They'd be like, uh, just no. They, they wouldn't. They wouldn't. Like, you'd actually have the travelling fans could create a bit of noise, but uh, the the Rovers fans would. Uh, I think they'd win the volume battle. They wouldn't have the volume of numbers. They yeah. win the volume of terms of battle. Something like you'd yeah, that's be, what I'm saying. Something like Arsenal is like they're, they're obviously. Yeah. They're a huge fan base here, but it wouldn't be the same. You'd have the awkward bunch in the middle who support United, but probably should support Rovers for the night crowd. It would, I'd, some, I, and do you know what? You'd have op-ed pieces in oh, new listen. sections of paper of, of people sort of trying to examine what this means about us. Like one of the first games I went to in... Dan, in, if you're not in prime time talking about this, <laughs> you're at nothing. But one of the first games I went to, and it was, it was probably a formative experience in my life, was going to Pat's playing Celtic in 1998 in Talca Park and again what happened in this instance was Pats went away first and it got a famous nil-all draw in um, in Parkhead or uh, Celtic Park as a, what's the uh, paradise to give it its full term and it, like, an, ama- an amazing result so then it came back to Talca the following week and I went up to I travelled up to that game from home and like there was loads of people in the crowd most of the people in the crowd cheering for Celtic yeah it drove me crazy, to be honest. I think it probably like it stirred a sort of a certain teenage anger in me. I was like, and I understand the Irish affection with Celtic, and I and I've subsequently been to Celtic for big European nights, and I totally get it. Yet there was still part of me there going, like these are at the time, uh, particularly like these are all Irish lads, pretty much playing for Pats. The whole idea of like Celtic is like this Irish club in Scotland that sort of represents the, the hardship of the Irish people there. And you're sort of here cheering for a lot of players not from Ireland against them. And I couldn't, I was sort of like trying to analyse this and I decided then 
yeah, I'm just I'm going to become a League of Ireland nut at this stage. This is what happens. Right there, we've got your intro to the piece. <laughs> I, I have a different perspective on life yeah. now, Joe. But it was it was one of those moments that uh, I would probably I, I'd love the story of of a tie like that, but. I'd probably partially would probably hate the event. <laughs> yeah, I have to be honest. The noise around it, yeah. I have to be honest, yeah. Uh, but regardless, I mean, group football, it's brilliant. So uh, just to note this, I suppose, or touch on it, the TV coverage and airports have been much discussed. On the airport situation, Rovers flew to the game last night from Shannon due to, quote, staffing issues at the airport. Now, Scuppy themselves complained because they had to fly to Shannon last week for the first leg. St. Pat's had to fly from Knock. Fair yeah. trek out to Knock Airport and they couldn't get home till Sunday which meant the Shelburne game was cancelled so there has been issues here to the fore CSKA, Sofia and Ludogrets both did get their charter arrivals and departures from Dublin so the um, word from Stephen Bradley was we're really disappointed with the situation we find out again that Sofia are flying in and out of Dublin serious questions have to be asked how the Irish teams can't do this and it seems every team that comes here can do it. Serious questions need to be asked of the people making these decisions. It's not acceptable. I understand, he said, the travel chaos is for everyone at the moment, but it can't be that both Bulgarian teams are flying in and out of Dublin direct and we're going out through Shannon and have to go back through Shannon. Pats and the trouble they're having, it's not right. There needs to be serious questions asked of who's allowing this to happen and why it's happening. Stephen, so say all of us. Yeah, now, oh, look, I mean... The broader aviation situation has been a nightmare, and I like to be fair, like I mean, it's even probably made it hard to cover some games that like people would like to have gone to. Certainly, trying to logistically look at some of these trips was 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 very was very difficult. Like, and these are big games, um, so it's probably not just even the TV coverage that 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 has been a you know has been one of the things that's that's been lost a little bit this summer. Um, yeah, like now as it happened, Rovers ended up getting back into Dublin because of fog in Shannon. So that was the, the postscript to this. So, uh, and they did actually, Shannon was the previous round. They did get to fly from Dublin for this game, but they were coming back into Shannon, which was Stephen Bradley's grievance. So they travelled back through the night, got to Shannon around four or five in the morning and there was heavy fog and they were diverted to Dublin airport. So they, the fog came in and saved the Do day in the end. you think annoyed Stephen Bradley even more? I don't know. I think they were quite happy to get back. I think they were, I think, I think they were more it like... It crossed his mind. So why couldn't we have flown into Yeah, Dublin? I know, I know. And like, where did this fog come from? You know, like, you know, like, is this... Staffing uh, issues and suddenly we're in Dublin. But like, what you want is more fog. Like, this is basically what you want, more fog around Shannon. And, and like, obviously you see then that Shannon are offended, like Shannon Airport are offended by people having to go. And it's not that. Bradley's point, to be clear, how it was phrased was... It's more so the point that Luda Goretz and Seska Sofia were able to go into Dublin and like do the Bulgarians have some magic password or something. Might it just depend, depend which charter company you're paying? Well, I don't know. I'm not sure what it is. Like they were, de- I mean, Rovers had a nightmare trip to Luda Goretz in the previous round and they were 3-0 down and they feel it really cost them. Like everything went wrong with that trip. Their hotels had to move hotels. Yeah. Like It couldn't have gone worse. And like your your preparation, if you're an Irish club generally in a lot of these games, uh, the games where you're punching up, like your preparation needs to be on point. No, sure. And that stuff kills you. Absolutely. So they have a eight-day turnaround, as you say now, for Billy yeah. Pest first leg. The three million euro that they get from UEFA, is that pretty much swallowed up with logistics and charges? No, points? no, it won't be. Oh, they see eight-day turnaround. The whole point is to see they played Derry in a very important league game on Friday and that's, that was Bradley's frustration about... He wanted that moved. Yeah, and that couldn't happen. And like, Does he not have a point on that, by the way? Um... Why shouldn't the league be trying to move Rovers games to help? So I think the thing with that is they've had games moved already, but I think the league sort of gave a message at a particular stage that when you get to the the sort of third round onwards, 
you sort of need to try and fulfil fixtures. Rovers weren't really trying to get the game off. They were trying to get it to go to Saturday or Sunday. But I don't think Derry were budging with that. And Derry's point was, well, Shamrock Rovers, uh, you did play an FEI Cup game against a non-league side three days after a previous European tie. But you, you didn't want to play us, as in, are you picking and choosing your games? And Derry will look after Derry, Rovers will look after Rovers. You'd like to think there's some kind of... There would, if, you, if you set some policy on paper that says any team that's in Europe, you know, you get that week. That sounds great, but then you're going to get to November and have around 20 games to play. Fair enough. You know, Look, so... The day there's a collegiate atmosphere in this league <laughs> is the day it dies. That's when, that's, you know, things have changed. Like, like you know, like Rory Higgins like, well, would, would Shamrock Rovers have moved that game for us if it was the other way around? <laughs> like, yeah. And there's, you end up down that road. Uh, one of the lads outside, he'll remain nameless. He, uh, out of interest, texted his Rovers United supporting cousin and asked him, if Rovers draw United in Europe... What jersey are you wearing to the stadium? The reply was Rovers F United. <laughs> there, <laughs> there you go. go. Like I mean, it doesn't hurt that United are so hateable at the <laughs> well, moment. Even think, their own fans might. Go I to think that's them. part of the problem. Actually, yeah, it's it's not it's not like, Roy Keane in centre midfield there. No, it's it's your it's your one chance to sort of uh, abuse someone that you've been doing it remotely for a period Some of time. These fans have waited years to boo Harry Maguire. Yeah, and this is this is their chance. We, we want to get on board. Like if the Australians can do it, why can't we? Mm. Um, to go back to your point, sorry, I didn't really answer it about the three point three million. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think... Make some profit. Like, when you think about it, like, Robbers already made two million this year from Gavin Bazunu. You know, the, the sell-on clause of Gavin Bazunu going Which on. How long are they still getting... <laughs> like, as I said... Like, Every time he makes a there, save at the moment, I think that's there, got to be some money there's for There's someone Robbers. that Robbers now hired a staff member who just sits at a desk on the corner on Bazunu watch. You know, they just... They, it's like it's like people with royalties from a book. Like, every year, they they chase the Bazunu check that they get, you does know? someone walk over and ring a bell? <laughs> yeah, it's like Bazunu... What's that? Like It's like when someone does a tip at a bar and, and someone rings oh. the bell. It's like, they hear that sound, they're like, oh, what's Gavin done now? I feel like Gavin made a save at training. There's Tim <laughs> Yeah, I know, yeah. I, th- I think I think that now, since he's gone to Southampton, I think th- there was more the City deal that had all these little claws in it. it but I mean, end. they Every- made three million quid out of Bazzino in the end. Good, good. Which is incredible. Um, so look, they'll make some money out of Europe. They will, no, no, they will. They, 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 I think the whole message last night was very much, like Chamber Grover's went to group stages in the past and they probably squandered it. They have a little bit more, uh, as much as the club still needs to balance the books, it's, they've been doing well in recent years and still sort of recording some losses. But the whole plan was, as much as they would not say it explicitly, they felt they were on the path towards group stage football being there for for for, for champions such as them. Okay. And now that they cross that th- threshold, they're in a position to do some good things, I think. Okay. Yeah. I do want to ask you about the TV coverage briefly. Very short ad break. Dan McDonald of the Irish Independent staying with us. We're back in just one second. Football on Off The Ball With Sky Watch over 400 games this season from the Premier League WSL Scottish Premiership and EFL Live on Sky Sports Back Football Show is brought to you by Sky Watch over 400 games this season from the Premier League WSL Scottish Premiership EFL all live in Sky Sports I do Dan McDonald of the Irish Independent want to talk to you about the opening weekend of the Premier League however just to finish up on our League of Ireland yeah Europe chat TV coverage once again the focus during the week Declan McBennett of RTE is making a, a staunch defence of RTE's coverage so in effect there was a huge degree of consternation that this Shamrock Rovers game amongst mm. others was not on television Yeah and like this was I suppose last year was the first year I ever recall this being such a, sort of a, a burning issue and then that 
probably because last year was the best results in some time and it just so happens that this year is probably um, maybe on course to surpass those results you know and it sort of drives home the fact that like as you mentioned earlier like these European games are something that people can get on board with and I, I, like you know sometimes the outrage can be convenient here like there probably have been years where the results in Europe have been very poor and people are probably happy in some ways that this has been a little bit below the radar but I certainly hold the view that these European ties um, should be to the fore of any sort of broadcast discussion at the start of the year I think they have more value than perhaps a lot of uh, bread and butter league games although I would like to see more of them covered too everyone wants everything and I understand that rights issues around European ties can be complicated like they're not all under one umbrella deal like you'll have a different agent selling tickets for sorry selling a particular game like I think Shoopy were quite difficult to deal with for example for this tie for Rovers to get the stream so it's not perfect, you know. It's 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 not like a case that or, like RTE or whoever else have a blank canvas and they can go after these games easily. But I, I do think, to me, like when you now have had sort of two years in a row of European results, it shouldn't be that much of a surprise or that much of a gamble that next year to think, yeah, we should probably, you know, put some of our resources behind these ties here. Even in my in my mind, it doesn't bother me too much if that's at the expense of one or two regular league games. That's just my opinion. Uh, some people will say, you know, sponsors of the league or you need to go around the grounds in the league and give people a certain amount of exposure. I understand that. I sometimes think some of the league grounds that don't look terrific on TV... They shouldn't. They shouldn't broadcast from those grounds. Which in ones? my opinion, I've named them before. You know, I've named them before. You do it down to that camera lens. <laughs> I've got in trouble for uh, sing, singling out individual ones, but uh, no, just honestly, no. eyes down the camera. Just name them. <laughs> Don't deserve to be seen they, on television. They, Go. They, they know who they are, Joe. They know Give who they two. are. Give me two. I'll draw them. The dog could be two. Give me yeah. two more. Um, well, I think they'd be the main two, actually, really, oh, right, okay. at the moment. And what are the contenders that you're not so sure about then? Um, that medium range. Well, well, okay, Tala is good on TV. Yeah. Talca looks surprisingly good on TV because they had a good gantry point. That's where it's deceiving, even though the, the, the ground itself isn't an amazing, yeah. but it does it does look quite good on TV. It did for the opening game of the season. Pats is okay. Daily Mount, they have an issue with the gantry now because the Connacht Street's been knocked down. I think that's going to cause complications for... Um, Bowes Rovers, the games people think should be on in a couple of weeks. Um, yeah, like not many of them look especially well, you know. Anyway, that's you're taking me down a complete rabbit hole here. That I I I I got into this subject before, and I just was like walking on landmines everywhere. I'm con- yeah. I, w- I want to get you to a point where you're feeling trepidation going to every game <laughs> on a Friday night. Well, I've I've since ironed it out with some people I offended, and like to me, like I think highlighting. I think highlighting the bad stuff is important. It's a bit like the TV outrage, to me, in my opinion, I think it's going to lead to more games in Europe and future being on TV. Mm. I just think that that's, I, I, I think it will end up being that way. Um, uh, like, see, this, this is like I know this has been discussed in the last couple of days. There is always this uncomfortable thing that I think people, we love the game here, those of us who do, yet yeah, like the viewing figures could be better. We know that. We know at times the viewing pig- figures are, are poor. I think the European viewing figures are actually pretty good, though, com- in compared, as I said, to some of the regular Friday night league games. And you can't always predict what's going to be a big game and what's what's sure. not. Like, you know how TV works and you'll have, like, average audiences, but then you'll have a peak that suddenly, I don't know, at 8 o'clock last night, if a load of people are tweeting about, geez, Rovers are looking good here, more people will tune into it. And, again, if a team is hammered, it doesn't go that way. Um, but but I think there, there has to be a, a point where you think these, these games in Europe are 
more interesting than a lot of the regular stuff that you do. Um, I think they tick the box for sort of some kind of like public service remit to some degree. Um, and maybe, yeah, like there's this whole thing of who do you pick week on week and you pick one team and then the other team is a great result. And sometimes the criticism is a little bit over the top and a little bit unfair. Yeah. Um, but in saying that, a situation where a game like Shamrock Rovers that's on, isn't on TV, I'm pretty sure in most countries in Europe an equivalent game like that is on TV. Why isn't that the case here? You know, and we all have to examine that for various reasons. Um, like, it's it's multi-layered. It's not just one big bad wolf that's not doing it and everyone else. Like, you want more people to be interested, but it's the chicken-egg thing of to get more people interested, you need, you know, you need more games on. And certainly... I can only everyone can be influenced by their own friend circle and their own group but say a lot of people I know who wouldn't be say League of Ireland match goers I've, I get messages from them around the European games they're more interested and they're like oh, why isn't this second leg on TV or just Sligo are beating Motherwell why isn't that on yeah. and they almost can't understand that um, and look I mean commercial broadcasters I'll have their reasons for not doing it either they sometimes get off a little bit lightly on this you know and they'll cover the group stages and they'll spend money I understand they're in a slightly different situation they're not funded by public money but um, you'd like to see more confidence in the product from them um, but that needs to be reflected by viewership too you know so that's there's you, a chicken and egg there yeah there is if, if, if the groups, teams the qualify groups, more the, regularly sure the group stages will be on television it will be you know, the okay. group stages will be on, on Virgin because they have the like, and, and to be fair to Virgin like I think and I mean I can be corrected if I'm wrong on this but they went for the Conference League last year as well as the Europa League um, and I'm not sure if they were all bundled together I could be wrong but certainly I remember the press release with the Conference League they were talking about you know we could show Irish clubs who are expected to be in this and then Rovers sort of fluffed their lines against the yeah. team from Estonia and they weren't yeah. um, so I mean they'll do a good job on those games but I always say like you have to win your way into the news cycle a bit but if this becomes the norm like two years in a row the results have been very good I think then the case next year is that you can't be taken by surprise by these European yeah. games yeah. you have to plan for them a bit more and I, I would hope that that happens and I think That's I fair. think that it might yeah. off the back of like even this year RT to be fair they didn't do it last year but this year they've utilised like say news now mm. you know to, to take streams from away games stuff that Air Sport always used to do um, that can be done reasonably affordably Air Sport going off to market had a big impact on that and left a void that people last year only realised existed. Um, but in future years, hopefully it won't be there. Okay. Premier League opening weekend. Lots going on. We're now yeah. at Wednesday, so it's been much discussed. What games did you watch? So I watched Fulham-Liverpool. I watched, I was in here watching Leeds and Wolves. So you know yourself, you sort of watch it, but I was watching Leeds and Collins really more so than anything. And I watched pretty much all of the City game on Sunday or pretty much all of the Haaland game because I'm just fascinated by the whole Haaland I was Haaland just thing. about to say, Mick said it the other night and I, I, it suddenly hit me there. I totally agree. City have gone from being a team that I could take or leave because I had a fair expectation of what they were going to do against most Premier League mm. teams and therefore were, were somewhat missable. I've gone from that to you can't miss a Haaland game right now. Yeah, I agree with you. Now, I... Like City to me, if De Bruyne is playing, it probably might still would have been my favourite side to watch in recent seasons. Like there's obviously this debate of City or Liverpool, and Liverpool certainly maybe more exciting or something. But I love De Bruyne as my favourite player still. Well, I'd say you enjoy that second goal. And yeah, because like it's just like it's the, it's just watching Haaland the explosion over five yards, even for the penalty. It's just like wow. Yeah. And like I think that's what you want to see. Like when we were talking about all levels of football here, like you. You know the reason the Premier League is captivating because it's 
it's now becoming very much like the best of the best and then you have this superstar dropped into it and this whole pre-season debate of will he be able to cut it and then almost after an hour or like 90 minutes the other day you're like yeah no this makes this makes perfect sense and and I still think I I mean I did say it last Saturday on the show before they played I, I think it'll be top scorer and I think they'll win the league I think it's obvious to me that he will he will be a roaring success because world class players such as De Bruyne and that it's not going to take them forever to adapt to what he wants it's like yeah we need we, It's a, there's a, probably a little bit of a habit change and the extra pass that they take but you'd imagine they spend enough time together and have this sort of the football IQ yeah. that they're not suddenly going to overplay it all the time no. now when they have this option it took them about half an hour I think we can say is yeah. the uh, point see I suppose with City the type of goal that we imagine them scoring so often is in part owing to the fact that they often play against a deep line defence. Yeah. Whereas West Ham, for the second goal on Sunday, presented them with an opportunity to play quickly through the lines. De Bruyne is like, okay, no problem. Thank I can, you. I, I, I can do that too. I'm mm-hmm. not, you know, so pre-programmed by Pep that we have to have 14 passes before we make the assist. And wasn't it something the way Johnson, who's not a slow player in the centre defence, so he was the one who had eyes on Haaland. And Haaland makes this run and it, it looks like Johnson just doesn't go with them. But I actually think in hindsight he just didn't have the speed to even yeah. keep up with him. Uh, he's just, he, he, made, he's, he, made, he made Johnson look stationary even though I think Johnson was trying to track the run. Yeah, no, I, look, it's just an incredible cocktail of sort of skills that he has. And, and I mean, look, there's always a way and, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing how different teams obviously try to adapt to sort of you know, different approaches to try and neutralise him in some way and I mean he, he's he's what 22, 23 maybe like he has played a lot of football and, and things don't last forever like you know you kind of wonder will players can, so, just, there's various arguments on it like but sometimes like players w- with that sort of explosive capability obviously it doesn't always last forever you know where they have to adapt themselves as they get older and become more rounded and like the Ronaldo thing or something you know you, but but I just feel like you're watching something at the moment do you remember slightly different type of player in a way but do you remember how, ex- how brilliant uh, Brazilian Ronaldo was and sort of that World Cup 98 period you know, where it was just like he was in super speed mode. Yeah. Like like you press a button on a PlayStation and like this for extra speed. And I feel like there's there's these little moments where you watch Haaland where that happens, but yeah. he has the physical presence to go with it too. And you're thinking, I want to watch every game here to see what he does. It's amazingly exciting. I mean, the Premier League, we touched on it with Tony Evans last night, 30 years on, has just become the World Super League. It has. I, and like the, the, the Haaland type players now are not going to... Real Madrid, Barcelona and thankfully not to PSG that he's come to the Premier League mm. with the best managers. It's so exciting. Martin Tyler did say mid-commentary that his heading when he arrived at Dortmund was so-so and he's worked on that. And then it did occur to me during the match his heading wasn't like the 10 out of 10 that everything else seemed to be. I suspect he'll now score at least 15 headed goals. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but like you just can't really... Well, you can't see City still throwing a load of balls into the box towards him either. No, you know? that'll be in the final few minutes against Real Madrid if they're losing. In yeah. which case he'll score. Yeah, Connor Coventry made his day before West Ham, by the way. In that game. Yeah, he'd so. come off the bench. Yeah, like there was, I think, like Shane Duffy came off the bench late. Matt Doherty came off the bench late, 
as an Irish weekend goes, I mean, Bazunu, tra- like Mark Travers had the best weekend. You know, he started and, and they sheet. won and he yeah. kept a clean sheet. Uh, Bazunu, Collins, Seamus Coleman working his way back from injury. I mean, that's what we are looking at. We're looking at seven, eight names yeah. probably uh, featuring Conor Ronan and Joe Hodge on the bench for Wolves, which is worth mentioning as well too. And um, that's, that's sort of in- encouraging. But to me, like it's Bazunu, Collins, Travers potentially. I think Coventry, uh, very good player Irish on 21 captain still wouldn't shock me if he went out on loan yeah, before okay. the window closes but Collins, Bazunu, Travers I think we'll talk a lot about them good in due course. we'll come to Bazunu in a moment so Liverpool will have to continue at breakneck speed to keep pace with Haaland City uh, you watched them against Fulham Tony Evans was on last night he said they they were abysmal they were stodgy and as hell yeah Jurgen Klopp is, is usually upbeat-ish about the boys but he was withering in his assessment. He was saying something went badly wrong here. We'll find out what it is and we'll fix it. The midfield has um, been under much scrutiny over the past couple of days. I was saying to Tony last night, for instance, they've nine senior players for those three midfield positions. Three of them are 21 or younger. You've got Thiago, Henderson, Milner all into their 30s. And so if you're talking like prime Liverpool midfielder, Fabinho for sure, and then it's Oxlade-Chamberlain and Keita, will he, won't he deliver? So if there's a, a sense of where it could go a twitch wrong for them, maybe it's midfield. But mm. and again, Thiago, Henderson, Fabinho will probably do a lot better in a lot more matches. It yeah. Was, it was a strange day, it seemed. Yeah, like Mark Lawrenson was, was on here on Saturday and right. he'd been in the training ground the day before and you sort of read between the lines of what he was saying. I think they'd arranged this bounce game against Aston Villa behind closed doors on a Sunday. And what he seemed to be suggesting is that they probably had a sense big time that they just physically weren't at it. They weren't where they needed to be. You know, they were a little bit undercooked. A bounce game Uh, against Villa as in a pre-season? They played a pre-season friendly on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, Or like, you know, they played a friendly on Sunday against Villa behind closed doors. So... That's the most logical explanation for what happened. Yeah, they were so stodgy like like that. I was sort of... um, I was delighted they didn't win because I think the power of Liverpool and City is such that if they can play that badly and win in games then you talk about the best league in the world which it is there's no doubt but there's obviously a danger that some games become boring like yeah. you know what I mean if you can if you can play that badly and win I'm not sure whether they've learned anything from it so it's probably right that they drop points for the performance they produced and like Fulham are good Mitrovic was excellent like I mean he's been so good for Serbia we know about and him. he's brought that into the Premier League which is um, which is sort of good from their from their perspective but yeah they were just flat it's very hard to I, I don't know was there a big tactical analysis you could do about it and say they were missing it, it was more just a general like Liverpool are a machine when they're in full flow yeah. and they were sort of a machine that wasn't in that at all they were Fulham were sort of actually second balls and a lot of things they were doing things that Liverpool are good at they were hard to play against um, and Liverpool were just Oh, yeah, I think flaccid. Yeah. That bounce game against Villa is interesting. I think the very likely explanation here is they just aren't quite 100% fit and Fulham were really up for it and really fit. The only, the, the second possibility is, and I said it to Tony last night in a way, this Liverpool group, and it's, you know, kind of fairly tight-knit, small-ish group, they've played in so many big games, so many big nights. It's had to be relentless for several years. And you just think against Fulham, oh, newly promoted, we're better than these guys. But like, a touch of complacency, a touch of can't quite muster the adrenaline here at half past 12 mm. on a Saturday to really compete with you and hopefully just our quality gets us through. That's a more serious problem. Now, it probably is S&C, but it'd be interesting to watch this space given how much they put into last season mentally as well as physically. Well, if you remember, I think like this time last season, 
I think probably the negative slant on Liverpool and some people would have been predicting them uh, to maybe finish fourth or, or fifth last year yeah. like it was a surprise that they were to some people how good they were last year this amazing season they had and it was almost exactly what you said there that there was the slight fear of is this just going to be a burnout yeah. fatigue they, they've been going at it for so long including some very long seasons just the way that you know the, the timing of Champions League finals and stuff and key players as well but between their international commitments there was that slight fear that they've gone to the well too often and sometimes a team has a life cycle but then if you bring it on 12 months and actually they've probably regenerated areas of the squad in that time maybe not the midfield but you know you've, you've Nunez yeah. you've like Mane's gone you know they've they've brought in Diaz in January um so you would think that that wouldn't be a concern yeah. but there's always that slight niggle all right that um like eras and cycles like they they, they generally always have a like the, the, you reach a point yeah. um, but it felt like that last year Klopp was almost recognising that by making some tweaks to a squad so I don't think that's going to be a problem but it is something that lingers as, as a possibility that, that one season it will just happen because yeah. of the intensity at which they operate uh, Before we wrap up Spurs we haven't talked about Spurs enough this week given how good they were at the weekend they had one wing back scoring and Sesson Young the other wing back with two assists and Emerson and more wing back reinforcements on the way Doherty to come back Perisic played at wing back mm. last year in Serie A had 10 goals and 9 assists so you kind of think Conte has got these in really good shape his 8 summer signings none of them started what a real kind of message that is to all concerned Kulusevski was brilliant uh, Bizzuno conceded 4 and actually did okay Yeah that does seem to be the verdict and you're kind of conscious sort of green tinted glasses on it Um but you look at the goals. Oh, like I, I, think, I mean, I think he has very high standards for himself. But you're not. You know, there was one with a cross. Might he have been in a better position? I don't even think so. Um, like I think the this was a slight fear with Southampton is that the their form towards the end of last season was poor, and, and Hassan Hüttel has changed a lot of his staff behind the scenes, and could be a challenging year for him. But I'd be fairly confident. You know, his his class will out. I mean, he had a year at Rochdale in League One where he was conceding he conceded a lot of goals right. and it didn't didn't dent his belief or his, his progression um, but you would hope to, I, I think they have a tough start at Hampton their first four or five games are pretty difficult so there could be some some tough games ahead but Spurs generally there's a, there's a lot of confidence that they're like uh, you listen to a lot of the predictions of people who would watch them more and be on their beat and mm. be more on top of things and there is this real belief that they're going to be top three yeah. um, and I guess I don't have a reason to 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 sort of poke fun at that or to to, to question it, but I still feel like I want to see it over a, oh, yeah. you know a sort of and they have the Champions League this year too, yeah. um, and they do have a stronger squad and Richarlison and 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 various other players that they, they they've they've brought in and to add a bit of depth and but that is a little thing you know they, like, they didn't necessarily have that uh, last season and Conte again is very demanding and sometimes like you know there's a shelf life with the Conte stuff but they look, they look to be in that sweet spot right now where it's, it's all good Well the pre-season sessions by all accounts have yeah. been horrendous although just because we don't have time to talk about Man United you'll be relieved to hear oh, just, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm just happy with that Joe it's no, no offence to anyone out there who's, who's living this but I just it's the one story that's just it's it's, I'm just done in but I understand the entertainment value you'll of have a lot of Man United talk when they're coming to the Aviva to play Rovers don't worry oh about that God yeah uh, but just in terms of like how dysfunctional me, how dysfunctional they are versus Spurs and like how Conte who they passed up on is sort of the point yeah but how Conte makes all this look very easy well drilled good signings 
The signings he made mid-season during the year were very good. The signings this summer all make sense. And I was just reading the other day, he made his seventh signing. Excuse me, I said eight a moment ago. He made his seventh signing uh, during the week. A 19-year-old called Destiny Udogi, who is a left wing back. He's only 19 and he had five goals and three assists for Udinese last year. They finished 12th and that was from left wing back. And so they've bought him and they've loaned him back to the club. So Udogi and Perisic had the most assists and goals from a wing back in Serie A. And it's like, look at like already the succession there. It's like yeah. Perisic's going to slot in. He'll be a really good player. We've got some others who can do jobs, Sessegnon, etc. And then when Udogi's ready in a year or two, come back, in you go. Compare it to the shit show over at Old Trafford. Ah, yeah. It's like it's just, unbelievable. You, know, you just like, you just, I don't know. Like, I mean, the Arnautovic stuff and it's just every... Twitter didn't like it, so we pulled out. Uh, yeah. Ali, but like the whole thing, isn't it? Like, wasn't the, was it Richard Arnold like got filmed when he went to meet the supporters during the summer? He met them for a drink and then that ends up going viral like this clip of him having chat. I'm just thinking this whole club is like, it's destroying itself at yeah. times. Like, um, and it's very hard to see a way out of it. And look, I'm only, I'm only joking. I understand the massive like, like no, no, public, you're, you're public totally interest right. in it, but it's just it's just got to the stage where I'm not sure. I think I like I can't nearly analyze it with a very serious, straight face and what's gone wrong here because it's just gone beyond that point of like farce. It's like sort of trying to analyze a Boris Johnson government or something. Mm. It got to the stage where it's like we all know like this is yeah. falling apart. So we can find different ways of analyzing it and talking about it, but to me, it's just. Yeah, I mean, the show will go on and it will go on badly. Dan McDonald of the Irish Independent. Very nice to have you back. We are up and running for the new season. We go again, Dan. We do. Uh, football on off the ball is brought to you by Sky. You can watch over 400 games this season from the Premier League, WSL, Scottish Premiership, EFL, Live and Sky Sports. Thanks again to Dan. Back in a sec. Football on off the ball. With Sky. Get all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports.